Good morning and welcome to Our American Heritage. I am Arch Hunter, the host of the program. And it is our desire at American Heritage to explore in depth the American experience from its beginning to the present. Understanding the history of this great nation is paramount to understanding our greatness. So today we are pleased to speak with Bart Van Valkenberg. Bart, welcome back to the program. Thank you for coming back and sharing with us. Hey, Arch. I uh, really enjoy this. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming. Bart is a member of the Paoli Battlefield Board. He is an historian. He has tremendous interest in the local history, particularly of the American Revolution. He is on several different society boards. He ran a tour of local sites around Paoli Battlefield for many years. And that's the first where I met Bart to take the tour with the Paoli Preservation Historical Society. Bart is happily retired. He is a veteran of the American military, and we constantly thank him for his service. And uh, Bart has talked to us in the past several times, so I've asked him to come back and share some of the history of the local area in which we live. So, Bart, please begin uh, to share with our listeners the information that you have, and we can all learn from your in-depth experience and wisdom and knowledge. Okay. Arch, as you remember, we were chatting a little bit about topics to talk about that would interest the listeners. And one that I've always been intrigued in is roads. We all know what roads are, and we use roads to get from here to there. And how did it start? Where did they come from? How do they get their names? Things like that. So if we look back, one of the big resources is historical maps. And the oldest map of the area is of the Welsh Tract the William Penn land grants, and that's like 1692, 1694, something like that. And those tracks are basically parcels of ground and doesn't have a lot of highways, but you can see various townships are on the map. And there's quite a large area going from Philadelphia as far west as Gaxton and north, all the way south to the Delaware. And in the maps, there's, you know, the rivers and the streams are well marked. And what's nice about having those geographic locations, uh, they don't move much. The streams move a little bit, but for the most part, they're exactly where they were way back when. So the Welsh tract started uh, land ownership, and the Welsh from England sailed to the United States and started claiming lands and building farms and things like that. And one of the big issues that they had was religion, and it was heavily Quaker. So as these land tracts started growing, the first thing that the people would do is build a meeting house, a place to sit and practice their religion. And to get from the port of Philadelphia to these land grants, they would have to follow trails to get to where they were going. And the, the trails were pretty much established by the Indians, the Lenai Lenape, who used these trails for traveling. And they were an Indian tribal network that was seasonal, that they'd moved from like summer camps to winter camps and things like that in the area. Did you know that, Arch? Were you aware yes. Yes, yeah, I was aware of that, but I was thinking that, you know, our roads today, our trails today are, are far different than what they were first experiencing. Yes. So. Yeah, kind of. But 
Did you ever notice how twisty many of our roads are? <laughs> Bart, I was just thinking about every day coming up 422, going past Valley Forge Park, and then making this big U all the way back to go around St. Gabriel's Hall up there. Yes. And then you look back yeah. and the park is right there. Yes. Well, a lot of that is caused by when the Indians were doing their migrations and hunting and things like that, they would follow the path of least resistance. Mm -hmm. So they would take the easy way. And when you're walking along and there's a big rock or a boulder or a tree, you go around it. And as time developed and the Welsh moved in, they started following these same trails. And the Indians didn't have wagons and things, but certainly the Europeans brought them. So these trails got wider and wider and paths. And they would um, follow the path of least resistance, as I said. And I'll use an example. The um, Conestoga Road, the Lancaster Road from Philadelphia to the uh, Lancaster area was originally following these Indian trails. And in the early 1800s and things, they straightened out the roadway quite a bit. So the original length of the road, say, was 28 miles. And then after they straightened it out, it was like 23. Mm -hmm. So that's the development where people are working. And when the roads would develop, we, the um, Europeans, would assign a name to them. And I just mentioned the Lancaster or Conestoga Road. And the names basically were given to the destination. So if you were in Philadelphia, you'd take the Lancaster Road to Lancaster. And if you were in Lancaster, you would take the Philadelphia Road to Philadelphia. And there's you know, a ton of those out there. Yeah. I have a question. So if you were going out to a Lancaster, it would be the Conestoga Road. If you're going to Philadelphia, it was the same road, but a different name? Well, possibly. But if you were living in the Lancaster area, okay, um, you would look for the road to Philadelphia. Okay. And the Conestoga area is that area between like Reading and Lancaster. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's where the roads would go. Now, there was east-west roads and north-south roads. And every time one road would cross another road, what do you think would happen? Well, obviously, there would be a bottleneck there, or which way do you go? <laughs> yeah, the, the travelers would need a place to spend the night. Right. So a, a tavern would be built, and there were three or four different kinds of taverns. The, the high-end ones, the stage cat taverns, were for reasonably well-off travelers. And then there was the... Uh, Drover's Tavern, which was for guys that uh, marched the flocks of animals from the farms into the city. And then there was the uh, local taverns for the locals that would just go and drink beer and sleep on the floor, drink ale and things like that. So these taverns would be established. And then over time, other buildings would be built nearby the taverns. And then all of a sudden, towns would pop up. So there's all these different towns throughout the region that are named after the specific tavern. I'll use the one that you mentioned, Paoli Battlefield. There was the Paoli Tavern. And I'm, I'm looking for some other, I, I, I'm attracted, I have this map I just discovered, um, Arch, I've been looking for it for the last three years. And it's the map that was done for General Howe when he invaded the Southeast Pennsylvania in 1777. And it's, it's a huge map. It covers Reading and Philadelphia and up into Allentown and all the way down to Chester. 
and I discovered it in the um, University of Michigan Clements Library. And um, so there's there's names of places. I, I mentioned a town. I'm looking at one now. There's a town up near Limerick called Parkersford. Mm-hmm. And that town is named for Parker's Ford, which is where the road would cross the Schuylkill River mm-hmm. by, by going through the river because they didn't have bridge, bridges then. And um, I'm just going crazy. I'm sorry. I'm looking at the map. It's too much fun. <laughs> I got to get back to the, to the discussion. <laughs> no, Barb, believe it or not, when I was teaching, I literally every year, because these kids, they don't know how to read a map. You know, we had a couple of lessons on how to read a map. So, right. You know, right. Let me be, before we go on, Martin, I, I want to digress a little bit. You mentioned the Paoli Tavern. And yes. would you share with our listeners, please, because you were very instrumental in getting a plaque there yeah. where the Paoli Tavern was at one time. Yep. Would you share my, with our I, listeners how that came about and what you had to do to get a, a plaque there? Sure. Um, what's interesting is there was several inns along the Lancaster Road, and this family owned a, a large tract of land that they acquired from that Welsh tract. It was the Evans family. And they wanted to open a tavern. And in the uh, 1760s, they applied to the county government for a tavern license. And there was a tavern to the west named the Warren Tavern, which is still standing today, and it's a beautiful restaurant. And then there was two taverns to the east who fought having another business pop up in between them. And his justification was that his tavern was at the intersection of a road that went up into um, the Limerick area and then down to the Chester area, and it intersected with the Lancaster Road. So they they gave him the uh, license to open his tavern, and he uh, opened it in 1767, I think it was, and the night of the battle at Paoli, September 20th, 1777, the, the British came right up to the tavern. And then the Paoli battle was about a mile and a half west. And the British force at that tavern was a yeah, blocking force in case the Americans under Anthony Wayne would retreat east. And then they would be the anvil from a hammer and anvil fort. So it was a famous tavern that way. And then later on, it became a uh, seat of the elections for the western area of the county, where several townships would go there to vote. And it survived until the 1880s, when the owner went bankrupt, and it was it was um, resurrected for a time, and it burned down in 1899, and was gone. And for years, people would always talk about where the Paoli Tavern was. And mo- most of the locals would tell you, yeah, it's over by the post office. It was over by the post office. <laughs> and I would come back and ask them, which post office? Because the post office in Paoli moved nine different locations mm-hmm. over the years. So I got together with the town, and we located the exact location of the inn, the tavern. And um, we have old photographs of it from the 1880s and the 1890s when it burned down. And you could uh, locate that based on the railroad and signal towers and things. So 
the business association funded the plaque, and we put up one of the big blue and gold history of the Paleolian plaques and how important it was to the community. And the uh, the sign is within the footprint of the building, and it's nowhere near the post office. <laughs> <laughs> but and it, you, it was on the intersection of a major road, which became the railroad. So, and, and you were very instrumental in getting that sign put up there, Bart. If I recall yeah. correctly, and yeah. in fact, I go ahead. Yeah, I, I called the uh, foundry and stuff and had it made and shipped down and we installed it and had a big. Big uh, grand opening, unveiling. It was fun, and that was I get. I think it was two years or three years ago, Bart. At, at this point, yeah, it was um, probably three and a half. Yeah, well, yeah, it, yeah. It was before COVID, so yeah, that COVID wipes out your your um, timeline. It sure does. It sure does. <laughs> uh, but the what are some of the other famous roads that started as trails for the Lenina Lenapes and then the Welsh tracks in in our area that are well known to us today, but we would never guess that were really at one time just simple trails. Sure, up towards the Plymouth Meeting area, there's a real famous one, Lime Kiln Pike, mm-hmm. and it got its name from the lime kilns that were there that would burn the limestone to make uh, cement and masonry. And here's another one for you, Bethlehem Pike, mm-hmm. the road from Philadelphia to Bethlehem. There's one, the um, mainline area, Yellow Springs Road, mm-hmm. and the road would take you to Yellow Springs, which was a hot springs up off of 113 west of Phoenixville. And the uh, Rev War, the soldiers would go there for the hospital to uh, recover from their wounds and illnesses. There's another big road that goes from the Exton area all the way over to Norristown, and that's called Swedesford Road. Mm -hmm. And it got its name because it would cross the Schuylkill River at another ford. It was the Swedes Ford, and they were all trails and pathways that expanded and, you know, the Indians would cross the river by fording it. Uh, they'd go and find the lowest, levelest place where they could walk across the river. And then the settlers, um, the Welsh and stuff, would do the same thing. And each river and stream would have fording places that were convenient for another bunch of reasons. One is a gradual slope. Where think of some of the rivers and streams locally that the listeners can look at. And you go up to the stream, and all of a sudden, there's a steep drop-off. Well, that, that's not really easy to cross, especially if you have a wagon. But if there's a gradual slope to the river, towards the river, it makes it easier. And then the other thing that's important is a flat bottom and not super heavy running water. But during a stormy period, you can't cross the river. Right, right. That was a big problem with the uh, British Army and the summer campaign in Chester and Montgomery County. They couldn't cross the river Mm -hmm. because it was after a a gigantic tropical storm and the river was too deep. So they had to wait till the river went down. And eventually, the uh, locals would have to deal with the inclement weather. And how do you think they solved the problem with the floods and the weather? Well, eventually they put, they put bridges over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, 
So one of the big early bridges were covered bridges. And we're fortunate in Chester County to, I think there's 14 existing covered bridges. 14, wow, 14. Yeah, yeah you think there's one in Valley Forge Park, Knox mm-hmm. Bridge. There's another one up um, near East Pikeland, uh, Raps Bridge, R-A-P-P-S. And they were built in the 1850s, 1860s. There's one down near Newtown Township and Willistown Township, uh, Bartram Bridge. And that's a funny story about that bridge. It's right on the county line between Delaware County and Chester County. So if you stand in the middle of the bridge on the Newtown side, Bartram Bridge is the last covered bridge in Delaware County. Wow. Oh. But if, if you step across in the Chester County, it's one of 14. <laughs> <laughs> now, is Bartram Bridge, Bart, is that still used or, 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 or can you at least walk through it? Because I know you're very vitally involved in the Bartram Bridge. Yes, yes. Um, the bridge was closed to traffic in the 40s. And then the um, state built a concrete bridge beside it just upstream. Okay. And that houses, that's the road to Goshen. So it was when you'd leave Philadelphia and take that colonial road and you'd get to uh, the Westchester Goshen area. Um, and so the bridge is, is uh, still standing. There's a uh, almost a two-acre park there where people can go and come and put their feet in, in a crumb creek and enjoy the nice cool water and the trees. <laughs> and uh, it's a, a favorite place for painters to come and paint a paint uh, mm-hmm. picture of the bridge. And then a couple times a year, the Dork Society opens the gates on the bridge and lets people walk through it. The one in, in, in Knox Bridge in uh, Valley Forge, it's, it's an automobile traffic, as well as Raps um, Dam Bridge. And both of those were damaged in the last 15 years by trucks trying to go across them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, the, the GPSs on today's trucks don't necessarily warn the drivers yeah. across these bridges. <laughs> Bart, describe for the listeners, what because our vision of roads today is so different than what originally they were Native American trails and then these yeah. these. Describe our listeners what a typical colonial road would be, particularly out in the rural areas out where we live today. Dirt in the dry and mud in the wet. So there was no roadway. There was no paving or anything back then. And it was it was a mess. And depending on the earth, uh, the, the makeup of the soil where you were would be how bad it would be in, in bad weather in the snow or in the rain. And if there was good drainage, it would be relatively decent. If it was poor drainage, it would turn into a mud bog. Mm-hmm. So that restricted travel in bad weather. And it was a huge problem. And as, as the commerce grew, the wagons got bigger. Think of the Conestoga wagons. Mm-hmm. You know, those big ships and, and the, the wheels had treads that were five, six inches wide to support the weight of the trailer. And they were pulled by oxen and horses and things like that. That was a real problem. And um, in the 1790s, the Lancaster Turnpike was the first paved road of any substance. And it ran 60-some miles from Philadelphia to Lancaster. And it, it was crushed stone. 
And in the center of the road, it was 18 inches thick, all compacted down. Wow. And it was so expensive, it became a toll road. So you'd be pulling your, your commerce along the toll road and have to hit a toll booth every few miles and then pay your fare based on the number of wheels and, and the number of horses and what you were carrying. Or commerce goods would take more than a person on a horse. And I know they did not have easy pass. <laughs> no, and now, but today we have this. The, our roads snake all over the place. Were were these original roads more a direct route? I know you talked about you know the fords and the rivers, but were they more much more direct than we have today, where our roads seem to wind all over the place, particularly in our area? No, probably worse. Worse, that, huh? Yeah, because of the. Um, growth and development over the years, as I mentioned earlier, they straightened the road, making the Lancaster Road was shortened because they straightened it. When the first railroads were built, they, the first big railroad from Philadelphia to Lancaster was the Philadelphia and Columbia Railroad. And if they came up to a big hill, they'd go around the hill. So they'd take the path of least resistance, and the railroad trains uh, weren't real efficient then. And the Pennsylvania Railroad bought the Philadelphia and Columbia in the 1880s. They straightened the railroad out by um, taking the hills and knocking them down in the valleys, filling them up with dirt. Mm -hmm. So today we have a much straighter PRR, which now is SEPTA and Amtrak. And the Pennsylvania Railroad's gone about 35 years ago. So interesting changes. The roads that we're very familiar with, Valley Forge Park, the roads that are around Valley Forge Park, were they there originally or was they have been put there just so people can peruse around the park? Most of the ones in the park are not original. The uh, Route 23, it goes past the, um, the chapel and down towards uh, Washington's headquarters is original. There's a road there, uh, Berwyn Baptiste Trace, mm -hmm. and it goes past the artillery park. And then that continues all the way up into the Berwyn area. And um, the trace means it was what was left of the road. You can still see it, um, but it's not used for traffic. And that was a colonial road. Uh, the road down through um, uh, the valley, where Valley Creek is, Yes, that was, that, that was not there. Uh, they had to come up from the other side, and that, that's where they had the um, the British and Alexander Hamilton and Light Horse Harry Lee got in a gunfight uh, a week before Paoli, or, the, or just after Paoli, rather. Um, and and Hamilton skedaddled across the Schuylkill River on a barge, and Light Horse Harry Lee took off with his cavalry west on 23 towards Phoenix. So. And, that, you know, that's the state of the old roads. Yes. Yeah. So, well, Bart, we are up against time for this segment. So we have a, a lot more things. I have several other questions for you. So we want to thank you for coming and, and sharing a little bit of the background of something that we take for granted. And that's the roads that originally started as tracks, Native American tracks and the Welsh tracks. And then as we progressed, they turned into roads and and now that we see today. So thank you for beginning to share some of these things with us and the great history that, that these roadways have in, in our area. So 
So thank you for coming and sharing with us. Anytime, Arch. Thank you so much. And remember, you know, come and visit Paoli Preservation or the battlefield. Bart is a member there. He's been on the board for a long time. He is a, a dedicated historian, loves American history, does a lot to help local histories. And go visit, please, the Bartram Bridge listeners. So this is 1180 AM WFYL, working for your liberty. 